Disappoint as many people as you have to in order to not disappoint yourself. I'm Marianne Peacock and this is My 5.30. Hey guys, welcome to 5.30. In my eyes, our next guest really needs no introduction. She's been one of my bestest friends since we were super little. But for those who don't know Marianne Peacock, she is an absolute force who wears so many hats from business owner, mother, podcast host, spin instructor, wife, and of course, amazing friend. It literally brings me so much joy to welcome Marianne to the 5.30 show this week. It's really nice to be recording this episode together and we hope you love it. I feel blessed. Yeah, I'm not to have you here. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I've recorded your intro before you arrived, and I was like, oh, that sounds like I really don't know what to say because I we could really like I don't know what way this conversation is gonna go. No, exactly. And Neither then do I. I was like, genuinely, guys, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, mm, how do I get out of this? How do I tell no. my best friend that I don't want to do it? I was like, mm, can't do it. Why? Can't do that. Why would you? Because I have a massive to? fear of public speaking, speaking oh. in general, which is weird for a podcast host. Oh, well, same. And also someone who teaches spin. Like, a massive fear of public speaking. And also, like, a person that runs a PR company. Do you find that you're Honestly, confidence... pitching to clients, I'm like, no. I make other people do it. I hate it. I hate it. The thought of standing up and presenting to people makes me feel a bit sick. I think a lot of people... But you're very smart and you're very well-spoken. Mm, I'm not, I'm not, that's very complimentary. I'm you not, are. Not sure yeah, you are. Or well-spoken, but thank you. Um, but yeah, no, no, massive fear of public speaking. You have a podcast also. That's yeah, very successful. I would be the same and I, okay, maybe ours is not quite as successful, but I. Shut up. It's massively helped with confidence just being in this kind of environment and situation where you're forced to have to have these conversations. Yeah, true, true. I don't know. There's something, I think when you're presenting, you're, you're normally in my situation, when I'm presenting, I'm presenting for something or on behalf of someone else. So I have to make that person, you know, you're doing a job essentially for another person. Mm -hmm. So you want to make them proud or you want to, it's a KPI or, or whatever it is. It's yeah, not it's something. It's an expectation from yeah, them on exactly, you. Exactly. Whereas with the podcast, it's mine. So if I fuck up, it's it's me. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. I don't care. So I think it's the same with spin. You know, it's well, actually, I guess it's a bit different with spin because you want everyone in the room to enjoy. I think when I go into a spin, a spin class, Mahogany Mares comes out and I'm like, <laughs> Give her shit. Gonna smash this. Mahogany Mares has been ducked away for years and years and years. Because she's scary. Oh my God, she terrifies me. I think she, I think she terrifies Sophie as well. I think Sophie's actually really glad that Mahogany Mares isn't here anymore. I don't know. I feel like there are definitely times when I would love to see her back in action. I really don't think you would. Because you used to have to pick up the pieces. You were the one who had to like babysit me mm. all the time when we were growing up. Mm. Sophie wasn't allowed to get loose and stupidly drunk because that would be my role. <laughs> Mahogany Mares and Sophie would have to make sure that Marianne got home. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. That's so cool. Is, is it? Is it cool? I, I, feel, I feel like it's an unfortunate well, you, you, task for a friend. You now have like a story to tell to Many. a lot of people. That's lots of stories that we're going to... Oh no. But not... 
we're not going to open the Pandora's box. We're not going to go into Marianne got expelled from, you know, we're not going to retell, not get your, expelled. We're not gonna retell all your father's favorite stories. There were, no, episode. we're definitely not. I feel like I wouldn't do it justice anyway. It wouldn't yeah. be as laughable if he wasn't telling it, to be fair. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, welcome. Thank you. I am obviously honored honored to have you sitting here i'm actually honored to kind of can't quite believe that we're we are doing this we both have we have both have podcasts and want to speak to each other on them it's really nice i mean genuinely 15 years ago had anyone said oh what will you be doing in 15 years time and podcasts weren't even a thing then yeah were they when when did podcasts become a thing yeah (laughs) It was already there, but was it? Uh, yeah, it was already there, but it wasn't as like sensationalized as like since COVID. Like now everyone just, it's just free to have a podcast. Yeah. I guess it's I like much it. easier now mm. since the rise of the internet. Mm. I obviously know your full backstory, having been your best friend since the age of like three, but for the sake of our listeners, can you just tell everyone who you are and why you decided to move to this wonderful city that we call home. I love love that this is your first official question because this is normally my line when I'm like, Fair, tell me a bit about yourself. <laughs> and everyone, it's always like, uh, uh, people like really struggle to get the words out. They're like, it's a really hard question because how do you kind of summarize all of that? In who you are? 30 seconds. In 30 seconds, exactly. Um, so my name's Marianne, guys. Hi. <laughs> um, I've been in Dubai now for 10 years. I moved here when I think... I was, I think I was 22 and long backstory. I lived in London with Sophie actually for about five years before moving here. And I would wake up in the morning dreaming that I would open the curtains and it would be sunny outside. And obviously I would open the curtains every morning. It would be raining. And every single day, London just felt like such a drag, such a challenge. There was a battle all the time, whether it be with the weather, the transport, and I would have best intentions of putting on nice clothes and going to work. And then I would arrive at work looking like I've been dragged through a head backwards because <laughs> I've been pissed on by rain. I'd been splashed by a puddle by some bus driving past me. I was sweating because obviously you go from hot to cold, like you get in the tube and then you start profusely sweating because there's a million people basically sat on you. Um, and one day I was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm moving to Australia. And I went home and I said to my parents, I'm relocating to Australia (laughs) in five months time. And they're like, okay, fine. Um, They kind of went along with it for a while. And then it got three months out before I was going to leave. And they were like, oh, no, 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 you can't go to Australia. Sorry, (laughs) can't move to the other side of the world. But you can go to Dubai. I had a cousin who lived here. um, And they were like, well, yeah, you can go there if you want to. And I was like, sure, okay, I'll go to Dubai. I've been a couple of times. It sounds like a great place. Um, so I packed up all my stuff and my dad was like, we'll see you in six months then. I was like, sure, thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> um, and off I went. I remember they didn't even drive me to the airport. My, my, my granny drove me <laughs> and my luggage was overweight and she was mortified that she had to pay like 180 quid for my oversized luggage to go on the plane. Um, and she was a bit like, you can pay me that back when you get back. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> Um, And then I never came back. I moved in with my cousin who was, I mean, not best pleased probably at the time, bless her. Um, And I lived with them for six weeks and then I moved out. And that was the start of the Dubai adventure. And then here we are 10 years later, one husband, two kids, 
a house. Many businesses. A couple of business, well, yeah. I mean, a couple of businesses, a couple of hobbies. Um, and yeah, life has changed. I honestly, I couldn't, yeah, couldn't have written it better if I planned. I'm so grateful for moving here. I love this place so much. I'm actually mostly quite negative about England, which most people are normally like, shut up, don't say things about <laughs> negative things about England. You're from there. I'm like, Ugh. but yeah, no, I love it. Love it here. So that's me. That's wow. So what an intro. That's why I came here. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a movie. It felt like a start of a movie where you have like a, Thanks, Chris. a, a bag. And then go to the airport and then Dubai and then everything just like starts and everything yeah. goes crazy. It has been and a wild ride. Oh, it's yeah. been a wild ride to witness as well. But I mean, as your friend, it's been incredible. Your kind of trajectory. Thanks. And there's been so many things I was saying to Chris. I was obviously you guys don't know each other that well, but you've it's almost like you've had this book and you've got all of these different chapters. Like you do wear so many different hats. And I think as someone that's generally, you know, I've done the same thing. I've moved here. I've had couple of different jobs but you've really kind of put yourself as someone that's gone out and hustled for so many different things thank you well, I feel like Do I've you lost agree? the hustle like where where does like your drive come from for all of the, for all of that <sighs> oh it's a really hard one to that's a that's a pack question because I think it comes from so many different things and comes because of so many different reasons as well um, I grew up in a household with two working parents who work extremely hard. I mean, I've, I've never met anyone who works as hard as my mother. No one in ever, ever, ever. I mean, she gets up at 4am every single day and she probably doesn't stop until 8pm every single night. Wow. And that is Christmas day, her birthday, my birthday, <laughs> everyone's birthdays basically. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, they were my my childhood was fantastic I never wanted for anything because they worked so hard um but I was very apparent of how hard they worked because I didn't always get to spend that time with them um and I struggled sometimes with that I think probably later on in life not actually at the time um and then it kind of got you know when I came here it was almost like I had to prove myself they I mean I, I said it earlier my dad was like we'll see you in six months <laughs> I was quite useless not useless but um, I was a big drinker. I smoked a lot. I had internships and sometimes I just wouldn't turn up. Like I, I, I didn't, I don't think I'd found what I wanted to do. I don't think I was happy in London. I don't think I was happy in my life. Um, again, you know, I always went to public schools growing up, boarding schools. And when I moved to London, I was kind of thrown into this, um, crowd of loads of public school people. All my friends were public school. They were all, overprivileged, very rich. I'm not saying that every public school person is like that, but they were just not in general, great people to hang around with. They weren't setting great examples. They weren't inspiring people at all. Mm -hmm. They, we just all would get drunk and be useless basically. Um, and then I came here and as I said, you know, my parents were like, oh, she won't last long. She'll be back. Like I was kind of done the useless one in the family. Not that they ever said that, obviously. They'll kill me for saying that. But, you know, my younger brother was like the shining star, the scholar, super smart. And the doctor, yeah, the yeah, architect. Yeah, they, yeah. they well, just... not quite. No. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come to him later, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, I was kind of like the drunken one, the silly one, the one whose tits were always falling out, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I came here and I was like, right, you know, what do you want to do with your life? Like... 
like, what's next? There's got to be something. Um, and I started working in PR, travel PR, hospitality PR, when I first got here. And I had a couple of different jobs. And then I moved to a company called Piarco, which I partly really enjoyed, partly didn't love. But I really found a love in travel and hospitality and F&B in general. And I knew that was kind of my niche. Um, and then from there, I kind of really fell in love with traveling and decided that I would turn my hand to writing a little bit, spoke to some of my journalist friends who worked in magazines here and asked if I could write for them for free. And then I started building my travel portfolio and would then, you know, as basically as often as I could, I would jump on a plane and go somewhere for a day. And actually, I mean, to be fair, the traveling thing has always had always been something that had been inside me. I mean, I remember I took Sophie to Brussels for, I think we went for a day. I think I dragged you on the on the Eurostar. I was like, we're just going to go to Brussels for a day. And you were like, why? And I was like, because I'll be so profound. <laughs> and we went and ate waffle fries and marched around drinking hot chocolate. Um, and yeah, that kind of grew. And so I kind of dabbled in the freelance writing for a bit and built up a contact database and got to a point at Piarco where, well, I don't even know if I should say this, but um, the guy who was running it at the time, I won't name him, obviously. <laughs> Um, he would just sit in his office and watch carpool karaoke on repeat and it was a glass office. And so everyone could see how little he was doing. And I was like, do you know what? If you can do this, I can bloody do this. So I decided to quit. I had my sabbatical from life where I basically went traveling around the world for three months. I left my then boyfriend, um, and we, we went to a couple of places together. Where did we go on that trip? We went to Thailand. We didn't go to New York on that trip, did we? Thailand when we went to Shiva Song? Yeah. Oh my God, that was the best. That was a fun trip. And we were, we were still quite young then. Um, and then I came back and I started the PR agency and I really had no um, desire to build a big agency. I basically just wanted it to be me and a couple of freelancers who would help me out. I had no clients, no nothing. Um, and I remember Fairmont on the Palm was my first client and... Um, they said that I could have lunch in the buffet there and I was so broke that I would go in with the Tupperware box to the buffet and slide a bit of food into my Tupperware box and then go home and have it for dinner because I was no, so no way. poor at that time. And I was like, well, not ask anyone for money. I will be fine. Um, and then it went from there. We, I went to Singapore from there and won my next client, um, a client that's still with us today. And then the agency grew and grew and grew. Um, and now we're a team of five and we've got clients locally and internationally and it's great. I'm very grateful for what we've built. Um, but I think team of five is plenty for me. I don't think I want to scale any more than that. That's amazing. Sophie was uh, telling me about when you guys travel and you would just like buy the ticket and then the, the hotel is going to host you. Yeah. How did you, how did you navigate through that? Like working with like five-star hotels and then like having the brevity of just like, Hey guys, we're going to be there. We're going to write for you. How did you convince all these guys? Well, so that was when I, so the, still to this day, um, if you ask anyone who knew me growing up, they, they actually think that I have a blog called Doodle Diaries DXB, which I did. I did have a blog called Doodle Diaries DXB back in the day. This was a long time ago now. And I would write about restaurants. Like I would review restaurants and I would review hotels. And that was kind of something that I added on to the travel writing I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I would be writing for 
I've written for lots of magazines. I wrote for Open Skies for a bit. I wrote for Harper's for a bit. Um, but all kind of very much freelance and very much travel focused. Um, and yeah, so I would I would speak to the different hotels and be like, I'm coming to this country. I'd love to write a review about your hotel. Um, and yeah, it was pretty shameless. I still am, to be honest. I'm <laughs> When it comes to things like that, um, I'm pretty ballsy. And, you know, the worst, in my opinion, the worst that anyone can ever say is no. And, and what's Move no? On, yeah. yeah. And it's so true. And we have gone on some truly epic. We have. What's, holidays. what's like the top three holidays that you guys been on? <laughs> I mean, there's so been so many for different reasons. The Royal Mansour in Marrakesh. Yeah, that was amazing. That was really epic. That was also, and the Mandarin Oriental. That was also sabbatical days. from life timing. Yeah. That was good. That was really nice. So we did those two incredible properties there. Um, we stayed at the Whitby in New York. We stayed at one Central Park, New yeah. York. And, and what was the third property? The Mandarin in New York as well. What? That's I cool. know. And then what we, a sabbatical? We, we went to China and then Seoul. Um, that was not that long ago. That was just after I got married. Um, and we Amsterdam. stayed. Yeah, Amsterdam was a fun one. Amsterdam was really fun. There's been too many. She and literally traveled the whole world. And that's just with me. Like, obviously she's married. Wow. So she, Adam gets to go on the majority. <laughs> You've been degraded? Yes. <laughs> it was a sad time. Uh, but we've had some fun. We also did a ski season together. I bet Sophie's not told you about that. No. <laughs> Let's save that for another episode. <laughs> I'm not sure everyone needs to hear about my baby like bell the- binging. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, um, so, so that, that was that. So tra- like travel writing was always very much something that was on the side. Yeah. Everyone in Newmarket seems to think it's my job and that's all oh I do. Oh my God. I, I, every time I go home, obviously people are always asking me like, how's Marianne? How are the kids? How's everything? Is she still, you know, going on holiday for free? <laughs> I'm like, you guys, I cannot keep explaining the brevity of Marianne's career to all of you. It's really boring. And you guys just need to keep up and figure it out for yourself because I'm not doing this anymore. Like, honest- I'm like her own PR representative in, <laughs> really in Newmarket. <laughs> I actually remember going out for dinner with my dad. And this, again, was not that long ago. I would say about four years ago. And I remember him saying to me, what is it that you actually do? And I was a bit like, <laughs> deep breaths, deep breaths, deep breaths, fine. Um, but yeah, sometimes I don't think they understand, to be fair. What have you found the hardest in like running your own business and, and scaling this to the stage that it's at now? Well, <laughs> to be honest, I'm not gonna lie. I, I didn't um, find it hard scaling it because I really didn't want to scale it. It was like the last thing I wanted to do. I was quite happy with it just being me, myself and I. I don't actually like managing other people, um, but I had children. That was number one. I suddenly realized that it was physically impossible to be able to do it all, all the time. And then um, we got, we you know, we got more business. We got more clients. And again, there just weren't enough hours in the day for me to be doing everything. And neither did I want to. I think that was the change. When Mother Tongue stepped in, when the children stepped in, I realized that I wanted more time to be able to do that um, and not necessarily be doing everything that, you know, I, I was doing everything in a PR agency from writing the reports and doing all the pitching to coming out with the strategy and everything in between, like I was literally doing everything from A to Z and I kind of realized, oh, maybe, maybe just focus more on the high level stuff and get people to help you with the low level stuff. So I got 
the first girl in who works for me and she's incredible and I definitely wouldn't be able to do it without her. And then a couple more people have joined us since. Um, but the way the business is run is everyone works for us very much on like a freelance basis. So I have no full-time employees. We don't have an office. My whole belief system behind PR is that we don't need an office. It's, it's a computer job like we don't need to be sat down in one place from nine to six every single day we need to be with our clients understanding their needs knowing what they need from us um and and that's kind of what we have now and also everyone who works for me pretty much most of them are mums so they're looking for that flexibility in their life where they can go and do nursery drop off and pick up that's cool and take the child to the doctor when they need to um, and that's a flexibility that the agency offers, unlike other corporates who would be a bit like, actually, no, it's a massive inconvenience for you to go out at midday to pick up your child when it really <laughs> isn't. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that people should be allowed, you know, we're all adults. We should be allowed to manage our own time. This whole kind of being stuck behind a computer screen from nine till five every day is so archaic. Um, and if you don't trust yourself, then they shouldn't be working for you. <laughs> and I think COVID time is a really testament, a good testament that, you know, you don't really need to sit in that office. Yep. You know, people are going to be much more effective, you yeah. know, if, if they handle their own time. How did you find COVID for your business? Did it, was it a huge impact? Massively. Um, how did you pivot like from that <laughs> or handle it? Um, so, so pre COVID, it was very much just me, um, and business was doing really well. Then I got pregnant and then probably four months into my pregnancy, COVID hit. And I was like, to start off with, I mean, all at the time, all our clients were F&B and hospitality. And I mean, I, I think within a space of two weeks, it had all whittled down, like they'd either half their scopes and their fees or they'd put everything on hold um, indefinitely. And I was a bit like, oh my God what am I going to do? And Adam was like, oh, it's fine. Just take early maternity leave. And I was like, yeah, sure. I can do this. I can do this. I can do maternity leave. And I think I sat on the sofa for three days and I was like, this is awful. <laughs> I hate this. I was so bored. I was going completely insane. I was jealous of my husband working. I was like, right, you've got to do something. So at the time we literally just bought our first house in Dubai. We'd moved in. Um, I was obviously pregnant having expecting our first baby and I was like right what can I do here so I started bartering which again seems like a strange concept um so I approached lots of different interior furniture brands and family focused brands and I was like right I I know you have no budget because obviously no one has budget at the moment but you can pay me in products and it will give you free PR and it was kind of solving a problem because I was getting the things that I needed to fill the house and get ready for the baby um, and I was also keeping myself busy, which That's was smart. Really, really key. Um, so it was great. I did some really wonderful things. I did a project with Quicker and got a Quicker Tap. And Quicker Tap is basically the best thing ever. I mean, this is the one where it's like sparkling, sparkling. And still and hot. And yeah, cold. boiling water all from one tap, all filtered. It's amazing. So that was a fun project. Um, but yeah, I did all sorts. And actually, we came out of COVID. And now as an agency, we can we do everything. It's very much a lifestyle, which I always said I would never be a lifestyle agency, but now we're very much lifestyle. We did a bit of wellness, we did a bit of beauty, we did a bit of fashion. Um, we still very much have lots of hospitality and F&B. Um, and actually COVID really served its purpose in that respect because it made us branch out and 
and and I actually am kind of grateful for that sense. So yeah, so COVID for me was, it, I mean, it was it was tough, but it wasn't horrendous. I definitely think I was fortunate. I think you've been you've been training all your life for for those types of moments, <laughs> and and also like with mother tongue. Let's talk about your podcast. Mm. How did that come about? Um, another well interesting story i'm not so sure but um so we moved to this new house out in the sticks as it were um i mean it's not it's like on a really stunning golf course yeah yeah i know but kind of out of town <laughs> i love how you just like play it like downplay it <laughs> next to like the, the world is like something you say when it's in the middle of the country a golf course like, that nowhere. has like a championship course where pga plays like everyone's familiar with jamira golf Estate. it's a lovely it's place to live we, we love just, it we just expose your address <laughs> it's fine it's a big place <laughs> um so yeah i was uh we i knew a girl who lived literally two doors down i'd known her for years and years and when we moved in she just had a baby and i was pregnant and so basically we started walking every day we'd do like five kilometers every single morning um and after about a month she was like oh we should start a podcast i was like that's a terrible idea no absolutely not i'm not doing it um and after another month she was like no really we just we've got so much to say and we have such great conversations. We really should start a podcast. And I was like, no offense. I'm just about to have a baby. I have enough work on my plate at the moment. I don't, I don't need another hobby. I don't need something else in my life. Um, and then another month went by and she kept on bringing it up. I was like, fine, fine. We'll do the podcast. And I was like, right, there are two conditions to this. Number one, we get a third person on the podcast um, basically so we could spread the load. And so if I continued to just bail and never do it, at least it'd be just two of them and it would be fine. Um, and I was like, we record one episode and if it sounds like utter garbage, we're not doing it anymore. And that's it. We draw a line under it and we're never doing it again. And I was sure that it would sound crap. Um, <laughs> anyway, we found the third person, a girl who at the time we really didn't know very well. I, you know, I, I kind of knew her from my work circles, I knew she just had a baby um, and I was like, it's quite a, like a mutual ground. Neither mm -hmm. of us really know her, but I knew her well enough to ask her. I knew that she was kind of into all this, you know, motherhood birth stuff. Um, she was training to become a doula. So I was like, she'd be perfect. So I asked her and bizarrely she said yes. I was like, okay, fine. So we all trotted off to record our first episode and it wasn't terrible. And I was like, Ooh. at this time, Rafa was four weeks old. And I remember leaving him in the foyer when we went into record thinking, this just feels weird that my baby's not with me right now. Like, why am I doing this? This is <laughs> such a bad idea. Um, but it didn't sound horrible. So we then recorded another one, which also didn't sound horrible. So we then recorded uh, an eight part season um, released it. And you focus on motherhood and topics yes, sorry. Kind of relating to that. I probably should have said that. Yeah. So the whole idea from this, from the get go was to create a podcast that could kind of be the eyes and ears for expat parents, expat mothers living around the world away from their homes. Because obviously if you lived at home, you had the support network of aunties, uncles, grandparents, you know, yeah. siblings, everyone. Um, whereas, you know, when you relocate abroad, you don't necessarily have, um, those comfort zones, that community to lean back on when you need them to ask questions to, to ask advice to. So we kind of wanted to create that. So we speak to experts from around the world about lots of different topics, ranging from sleep, breastfeeding, weaning through to maternal mental health, 
through to plastic surgery, post-children, through to um, dealing with toddler tantrums and all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. And then we also speak to more influential celebrity figures about their parenthood journeys. So it's a nice mix of the nosy stuff that everyone Mm -hmm. loves to listen to and then the educational stuff that people need to have in their lives. Um, So, yeah, so we started as, um, as three co-hosts and then after the first season sadly the the girl who whose idea it was in the first place she got pregnant again and decided she couldn't take on the workload and so she took a step back um and then it's been a duo podcast ever since really which is great and as time went on I realized how much I loved it it actually also gave me an outlet to spend more time with my kids because it it was so parent family focused mm-hmm. um and I also really love the fact that, well, I feel like we're helping lots of people. We get amazing messages from people about podcast episodes or the content that we put out on social media and feeling like you're making a difference or helping someone through a difficult time is always really great. Makes you feel like you're making a difference in the world. That's so nice. <laughs> Which you don't get that from PR, <laughs> if you were wondering. <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's lovely, but it has very much turned into a business not a very profitable business I might add because monetizing a podcast is not that easy um especially in this region especially in this region I I keep saying to myself it's gonna come it's gonna come (laughs) um but yeah it's it is super fun and it's it's great just to have these conversations with lots of different people as you will know I mean being fellow podcasters yourself it's um yeah it's a completely different ball game to what I'm used to from the PR world It is. I just, I, yeah. I mean, I obviously work in PR as well, but it's a really nice platform to be able to just speak and have really honest, open conversations with people. Yeah. And obviously our podcasts are focused on very different topics, Mm. but I think just having relatable content and providing value, uh, Yeah, you know, when when people come to you and they're like, yeah, this is cool. Like you helped me with this. Mm. And this is so nice Mm. being the platform to, uh, spend more like um, share more positivity that's that's yeah and do you know what it's amazing when you're actually putting out content that people want or people relate to how how you can grow a community like that's one thing that I mean I'm I shouldn't probably say this I mean I work in PR but I am no no wizard when it comes to social or podcasting as Chris found out before we dumped on this podcast (laughs) um yeah I mean I I'm clueless about most things when it comes to everything that we're doing in mother tongue yet without me putting any effort or energy into actually trying to grow it it's grown which is really quite comforting but now but I think as well that shows the need for it like yeah hopefully I think you have really been able to identify like a gap in the market where you were obviously pregnant and looking for this information and it wasn't as readily available to you as it should have been or could have been and you filled it yeah and I think you are it's quite a testament to your character though like I think that's something that you do in other aspects of your life as well whether it's been like the bartering work that you've done you you know you needed it so you went and got it and you've kind of always been quite clear in your vision of what you want and what you want to achieve and you've just always gone after it I think that's something I've always admired thank you you. you're a real hustler well, do you know what? I, I remember before I set up the agency, I was having a conversation with a friend um, and I remember him saying, oh, Marion, you can't just go out there and set up an agency. You know, you've got to have a business plan. You've got to have this. You've got to have this. And I was a bit like, mm, what? 
this is what now? <laughs> like, no, we don't. I'm just going to go and do it. And I think it sounds really silly to say this. And I'm sure everyone will be like, oh, what a stupid thing to say. But I feel like naivety has really played a part in my life in a good way because I don't think of all the many things that could go wrong or all the possible roadblocks. I'm like, well, I want to do it. So I'm going to do it. Um, and that that's actually quite similar with the spinning thing. Like I remember one year, it was my new year's resolution to become a spin instructor because I was off to get married and I was still very overweight and I really needed to shift the pounds and I made it my mission and it happened. And I was like, great. So it, it really just shows. I mean, one of the biggest things I always say to people is like, don't let yourself tell you you can't do something. You've got to try. And as I said earlier, the, the worst is, you know, the worst is you fail or someone says no. And, and then what? Like, it's not the end of the world. Life goes on. You try again at something else. It's all fine. <laughs> That's so cool. Where do you get all this drive from? Seeing that thing, I think I don't have much drive nowadays. I think you do. I think I, the answer would have been very different pre-children. I feel like drive has been sucked out of me now. I feel... Now I, my life is all about surviving. I know that will change when my children get a bit older, but gen, in general, at the moment, I am I live in survival mode. Every day is just this do list, get it done, do what I need to do to get through. And then I have my breathing time when I get to travel without my children, <laughs> which doesn't happen very often. And it's, it's actually amazing now how oh, it, it's, it's a... It's a weird thing to describe, but because my day-to-day -day is so fast-paced and so busy and full of lots of different things, which are all really fulfilling and really wonderful, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't change it, but I don't get time anymore to sit and think ever. Like, that is just the reality of life. I'm always doing something. I don't get a moment to sit and be creative and... Think. What does a day in your life look like? Like what time, are you, what time are you getting up? And then when does your working day start and what does that entail? Oh, I mean, every day is different. I will caveat that. On a good day, on a good day, I will get up at six. And if my children are on form, they won't get up till seven. So I'll get up, have a coffee, do some work. Then the children get up at about seven. Then I feed them. And very much my husband is a part of the the children management side of things as well he's actually incredible he's very hands-on and I'm very very grateful to have such a hands-on parent um hands-on parent <laughs> hands-on husband because lots of my friends don't have hands-on husbands um and I was thinking how do you survive how do you function because I would just punch them and divorce them and leave their sorry asses <laughs> um so yeah so then Rafa goes to nursery um normally at about quarter to eight and we take it in turns to take him to nursery um, and then I try and go to the gym. Sometimes I normally teach three days a week, three mornings a week, um, spin classes. So I need to be there by 8.30, teach class and then work until I go and pick up Rafa at one. And then I take him home, put Isla to bed, spend some time with Rafa, put Rafa to bed. And then I normally have about an hour window where I try and get some more work done. And then I normally clock off at about four o'clock and we'll play with the kids do something with the kids then we feed them it's always a battle and then it's bath time bedtime and then eat and then back to work and then I work normally until nine and then I go to bed it's great fun wow yeah so every moment is accounted for so this is when I get there have been more times over the last year where I get to travel for work or travel 
for pleasure um, and we don't take our children and actually having time not to do anything and just mm -hmm. to think about the future and think about my next steps and what I want to do next and you know how I could grow mother tongue or how I could grow the comms club if I wanted to is actually really nice and I feel like everybody does need that and it's, I feel like as a parent people don't normally which is dangerous it's always nice to take a break and then just like mm. shut down and think of what the next steps yeah. are because if your brain is like constantly on like on 200 like miles an hour wheel. it just it's, doesn't work yeah no. don't get off yeah no it's terrible and actually I got into dangerous territory last November I think there was a lot of like again you will realize this <laughs> when you become parents but Christmas <laughs> is a big deal and especially with instagram now there's you know i mean mums go christmas crazy in this region it is actually quite terrifying and you have like first of december boxes and then there's these weird and wonderful advent calendars for like every day of the week every day of the month up until christmas day and then there's you know multiple visits to santa and his elves and the reindeer and i mean it's literally like a full-blown schedule and november obviously you're prepping for December. So you're scheduling, you're preparing the presents, you're preparing the 1st of December boxes and all these oh other God. silly things that you are like, well, I must do it to be a good mother, which is obviously ridiculous. You really don't have to. And work, <laughs> as you'll both know, you know, November is like peak, peak season for Dubai in terms of events, functions, everything. Everything happens. Exhausting in, budgets too. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it just, ugh. anyway. So yeah, November was bad for my mental health in general. And I was just like this, shaking the entire time, just anxious, stressed. I mean, on the verge of a mental breakdown, I think. Um, and then went away at the at the beginning of December and hid my phone in the safe for five days. That's nice. <laughs> and then managed to, to come back to center. But yeah, I, I feel like that, that was probably the worst I've ever been. And now I'm very aware of it. I know when it's starting to come on, like what steps to take to take a massive step back. Because yeah. it can be. It's a yeah. lot sometimes. Um, but It's amazing though that you now know kind of like the tools to get back to being <laughs> grounded. To and, normal. <laughs> yeah. But you are always on. And I yeah. think especially when you have your own business, I don't, but I can imagine like the pressure to kind of constantly respond to everyone and feel like you are kind of an, an extension of them and their brand and their business or their family or whatever it is that they're coming to you for. Mm. You do feel like a certain level of responsibility that you have to respond. Yes. Yes. So that, that's how I always used to think. Um, and that was very much my mentality pre-children. And then I had kids and realized that especially after the second child arrived, I was like, well, that's not, that's not possible. And also not necessary. Mm. Like if you set the expectation that you're always available and always on people take advantage of that and they get level uh, level, they get used to this certain level of service. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had to massively teach myself to not be like that um, because it, it doesn't, it doesn't serve me. I was just putting myself to the bottom of the pile all mm -hmm. the time um, putting my clients above me and they don't deserve that. No offense to them. Like they're all lovely, but you know, I'm offering them a service and I should be offering them said service and not going above and beyond every single day, which I was doing. Um, and you I mean, that's how you drive yourself into the ground. So I've, I've had to learn a lot about how to look after myself and self-care, which, you know, buzzword of 2022. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But yeah. 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 Setting healthy boundaries is also good. Like yeah. even like work life balance for me. Like if I shut down my laptop at 6 p.m., no one's going to bother me. Yeah. Obviously, there are certain cases where you're going to be like, okay, we'll do this, but it's just like a one off. But as you've mentioned, like you need to set yeah. that, you know, that level mm. between you and your clients. Mm. Taking time. <laughs> if you could go back to when we were 18, tell your 18 year old self something, what would it be? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's so many options. Oh, that's the thing. I, um, I would, I would probably, I would probably tell my eighteen-year-old self not to. How am I going to say this correctly? Basically, not be a people pleaser. Like, not do stuff for other people and not for yourself and I feel like I did that more around like um, social circles that I wanted to be in or you know just be a different person to get into a a group of people and I think we all did that to a certain extent yeah. growing up I don't know what the right word to describe that is but I'm very and nowadays I genuinely and I can really say this I actually don't give a crap what other people think about me I mean, I normally look shit, wear no makeup. I mean, I'm I'm pretty, I, d I really don't care what people think or say about me at all. Um, unless they're, you know, Sophie, she's saying something oh, about Oh, I me. would never say that about but, you, but, Marianne. I think but, you look amazing. But more to the, the point that I would be, I would be concerned that my best friend is saying something about me, not, not, um, not how I look or anything, more just, you know, if there was an issue, I would be more concerned that there would be an issue there and you'd think there's an issue as opposed to, you saying do you know what I mean I'm not saying this very I'm not articulating this very well at all um <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I don't I don't really care what the general masses think of me I care a lot what my friends think about me more yeah. from like a you know a friendship standpoint um but in general now you know if Joe Bloggs thinks that I look like shit I mean I couldn't care less whereas back when I was 18 I would really care I really wanted everyone to think I was great all the time um, and I think that's probably why I drank so much because I thought that I was way more fun when I was drunk than when I was sober. Yeah, I think you kind of, it's easy to kind of associate yourself with a certain and certain identity. Yeah. And then when everyone else kind of sees you as that person, like mm. you were this kind of like crazy, wild, yeah, always like life of the party, having fun, like loads of drinks. You then kind of have to live up to that yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it was all the time. And it, but, no, but now, like, now but, genuinely. Like, it's, it's really nice to then not have to yeah. be like that and be like, that's not who I am anymore. And no. You leave that in the past. Yeah. But but I also kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a really strange one because I don't think I'd also change it. I don't think I'd yeah. change any of it because I feel all of it led up to how I am now and how I am today. And I think life, you know, life is a s series of stages and phases and you know, you have to, you have to go through the phases to make it to the next stage. And, you know, now I'm in a new stage where, you know, I barely drink. <laughs> I used to be a cereal drinker and a cereal smoker, and now I do neither. Um, and I really liked this phase, but I also really liked that phase. You yeah. know, we had so much fun in my twenties and did some really crazy things and some wild things. And I worked so hard during the week and I played so hard during the weekends and that was my life and I loved it. But now, I, you know, I, I love my life being the way it is, working hard during the week and playing with the kids on the weekend. <laughs> Soft play, yay! So, yeah, I, yeah, I think, yeah. Back yeah, to because that. that's part of who you are. That's what, what you know, um, 
that's what molded you into yeah, who you are exa- now. Exa- you're exactly. much more self-aware. You're much more confident. You know who you are. You know who your friends are. Yeah. You know, why would you think of anybody else like thinking about you? Yeah. But I think that also comes with time and age mm-hmm. and maturity. When maturity yeah. strikes. When you hit that. your 30s. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of what happens. I, yeah. I felt like we were, everyone is, you know, we have similar traits in our 20s and in our teens. And then again, when we get to our 30s, we'll just grab a bit. I think 30s, like 20s, but with money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Slightly more sensible. Yeah. Slightly more self More responsible. Yeah. Outside of work and being able to go on holiday and put your phone in a safe, how are you striking (laughs) a balance? Because I know you do it all and I know your schedule is so crazy. And I'll see you like once every couple of weeks or whatever when I (laughs) slot in for a, a quick dinner here or there. But like, it's honestly blows my mind sometimes how you keep your head afloat. So for me now, and I, I probably shouldn't say this because this is this is not great in the in the self care corner of things. But my balance is a balance between work and the kids. That's how I balance things, um, and I find that I have found a pretty good balance now that I get that slot in the afternoons with them. And sometimes, like I take Isla to a music monkeys class once a week, and I take her swimming once a week. So we have bits of time throughout the other bits of the days sometimes as well. Um, and then I, you know, I go back and I work at night, which my husband normally does as well. He's got quite a demanding job and he also tries to cut out of work if he can at like five. So we spend between five and seven all together and then we all go back to work afterwards. Um, so during the week, there is no flexibility from that. Hence why sometimes like having dinner in the middle of the week, I'm a bit like, I can't cause that eats into my mm-hmm. work time. And then after dinner, I have to stay up until 11 and work if I've got shit that I need to get on top of. But then weekends are, I try and do very little work at the weekends. Um, and we try and do something just me and my husband without the children, whether that's a lunch on Sunday or just going out for a coffee or going shopping for a few hours or whatever it is, we try and do something just us. Um, I try and do something just for myself, whether that be go and have a massage, go and have a haircut, mm-hmm. go and have a pedicure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we normally try and do stuff with the kids, but like fun things, get out of the house, um, or have a barbecue with friends, have a couple of drinks, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, our weekends are normally quite family focused now which I like. And I know this is a stage that we're not going to be in forever. Like our kids are only going to be so small and so young and depend on us this much for a very, very short period of time. And I'm quite happy to lean into that, make the most of it and spend time with them and our friends all together, as opposed yeah. to being like, actually, no, I'm going to leave you at home every weekend and go to brunch, because which is that, fine. Yeah. If you know, if that's your thing, then that is also completely fine. But I think there will be a time and a place when our kids are older and they won't want to hang out with us. And Once I'll, they hit like puberty, yeah. they're going to be like, okay, we're going to stay, play video games. Probably even before that, you know, yeah. you get to a six, seven, eight, and they start going to all these birthday parties where parents don't need to come. And then all of a sudden you've got all your days back, which is great. And I'm sure when we get to that point, we'll appreciate it. But for right now, I'm kind of like, we spend time with them. Our weekends are about family. And I like that. That's really nice. Yeah. What's what's a trait that you want to instill in your kids? Oh, that's a hard one because there's so many. Um, but I, 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 something that's really like I've, I, 
my hmm, how do I phrase this? Um, <laughs> my parents have always been extremely hardworking, but they've never always kind of been like go after anything that you want to. I like the sky's the limit, you know, go and reach those goals. They've always been a bit more be sensible. Like I remember when I told them I was leaving my job and I was going to set up my own agency, they were a bit like, oh no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Bad idea, bad idea. Um, and I, I don't think like maybe my dad's slightly more than my mum. My mum definitely not. But, you know, my I think in in some mind, my dad might think, you know, get married, have children, stay at home, look after your kids. You don't need to worry about work. It's not a big deal. Just kind of let your husband go to work. Happy and, go lucky. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my grandparents are very much like that. That's very much their mentality, which is great. Maybe it's a generational thing. As I said, my mom's not like that at all. She, as I mentioned earlier, the hardest working woman I've ever met. Um, but I don't want to have that mentality with my kids. I kind of want to really tell them that anything is possible. You go after whatever you want to do. Like I'm here to support you. You know, the sky's the limit. Go get it. Go do it. Be whoever you want to be kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's very important to me that I have a very close relationship with them. And I create an environment where they do feel confident enough to go and get whatever they want. But that is moving to Australia to raise cattle. Fine, that's okay. <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, I just, I want to make sure that they understand that they can do whatever and be whatever in their life. That's cool. We need to make sure that when they're 18, we're going to send this episode to them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm that's, godmother to one, so I for sure will. That's so nice. That's so nice. Yeah. Well, final question from me which I think is going to be final question from you as well. So final question. <laughs> if you can leave our listeners with anything, whether it's a piece of advice or just, you know, a closing statement from you, what would that be? Uh, I would probably say that um, don't treat naivety to be a bad thing. Um, naivety has helped me in everything that I've ever really done in life, including childbirth. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if you want something, go and get it. The worst that anyone can ever say is no, thank you. And it's, I mean, someone saying no to you isn't really that bad at all, really, is it? I mean, you've got to try. If you ever want to achieve anything in life, you've, you've got to try. You've got to give it a go. You've got to take a swig at it. Otherwise, you're going to be stagnant and stay still forever, which no one wants that, do they? I love that so much. That. That's so pure. <laughs> Marianne! Thank I you. love you! <laughs> love you! <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, That's guys. so cool. Are we done now? We're done. Oh my god. Rap, Guys, rap. thanks. Can I take my headphones off? 530 is 100% organically handcrafted by Chris Dabu and Sophie Ryan. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and participate in Q&As on Spotify. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to 530 on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or where awesome podcasts are available. This has been a 530 production.